purple shirt. How do you do that? What's up, everybody? We're all here. We're missing Michael today, but we have a special guest today. We have Gene Delasalo from Audioholics. Woo! I'm excited. Gene gets me hyped up. I'm the Joe. reports, the reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> yeah, he's he still is alive here. and well. I'm very happy Gene is here. I'm Joe from Joe Intel. We have Chana D, aka Techno Dad, and Ron from NRD. New record day. Now recording daily. Hello. Yeah. No, new record day. How you guys Getting feeling? How you guys? How 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 are you, Chana D? How are you feeling, Ron? How are you feeling? And of course, Gene, I'm gonna have to ask you last because uh, you know there's a little story That's behind be longer. that. Longer, <laughs> a little bit longer. I, I I'm cool. You know, had to like you know tell my wife like, look, I can't just run out to the market to grab some rum because you want to make pina coladas. Like this is this is you gotta slow down. You gotta slow down. Like we're putting everyone at risk. And uh, so we did one big ass like shopping event. Spent like three hundred fifty dollars. So hopefully we don't we don't have to go for a couple weeks. There you go. Uh, but you know what was messed up is that people from L.A. drove up here six hours, clean out our store, and then drove back like multiple times. I even we even saw tourists here or pe- tourists people that we don't you know small town, very small town. Um, we've got one confirmed case and. Um, I think 29 pending. And his name so. is Techno Dad. It's not me, dude. It's not me. What, I don't know what you I work from home. I'm home. I All my events have been canceled. And we did the live stream on Saturday. Thank you, Joe, for showing up. So if you guys didn't know, I was DJing for people and interacting and taking requests. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Super lot of cool. Fun. Super cool. You're just trying to, you know, liven up. I would have been DJing anyway at the ski resort, so I figured I can do it at home. I just figured out some OBS stuff and, uh, you know, made it happen. All right. Yeah, you know what? Actually, I I got some groceries this morning, but I didn't get out of the car. Well, no, I had to get out of the car to get the grocery, but I told them we ordered online, and then we just told them, like, just leave leave them, like, behind the van. Like, Like, don't open the van. Don't touch anything. Don't touch it. Put my stuff. Walk away. And then I just had like you know, like gloves. I was all crazy, but uh, yeah, that's what I did. Ron, how you feeling? Doing okay, man. Uh, daily bike rides uh, helps for sure. So I've been biking more than ever in my whole life. <laughs> it's like I've always, you know, it's funny. I'm an introvert, obviously, and I'm an audiophile, so I listen to music all day. But now that I can't go out, I want to, which is <laughs> weird. <laughs> Yeah, so daily bike rides has been helpful, but um, yeah, knock on wood, we're doing okay. Everybody is healthy. The kids are healthy. My wife is healthy, and we're we're hanging in there. Yeah. So, Gene, on to you. You, got you know, Rod, it's almost like being on a cruise ship when you can't get off the boat for a few days. It's that yeah. kind of feeling where all of a sudden you're, you you want to get off that boat. You know. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm doing a lot better. I've been feeling good the last couple of days. I. Um, I'm eating well. I'm, I have more energy. And weirdly, on Friday, the health department pronounced me dead. So I'm this glad is a that... robot version of Gene. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. glad they cleared that up. I didn't even know about it. I started getting calls and like messages from people. I didn't even know who they were on Facebook and stuff. But luckily, they were wrong. And I'm doing a lot better. And I didn't infect my family, which is good. And hopefully, I am coming out of quarantine this week. That's my goal. Mm. Yeah. Good, man. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys know I've been posting on on my YouTube channel. Um, I have family in Minnesota, and it's kind of tough over there. You know, I have a lot of aunts over there, and um, you know, you guys know my my grandmother passed away and from this COVID thing. So that you know that got real real for me uh, very quickly. And now I have a few aunts and an uncle who uh, you know who have it. So. It's still a little bit scary right now, but I'm here. We're all here just to provide content for you guys. We want to make sure that that you guys are at home having a good time, and so right. that's it. That's yeah. it. Sorry we're to gonna we're gonna get through this. Just yeah. you know, everybody be safe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got to stay yeah. positive. Yeah, absolutely. Hold on, Chana's cool. asking to repost the thumbnail. Yeah, just, just give me the just, thumbnail. Just repost the, the video. I, I put it on my community page. Go ahead and repost okay. that. So how how are you guys doing out in the chat over there? You guys seeing the chat here? Let me let me see here. We have regular guy audio as always. Always, always, tried and true. Regular regular guy audio. Yeah, Rocco says, "Hey guys, PSB image T fifty five." Not sure exactly. Fifty five for, I think they're asking. Oh, those those the, the image speakers, Ron. I don't know if you've seen those. I, you know, a lot of people are asking about PSB stuff. I haven't reviewed anything from PSB, but I want to. So I got yeah. the Alpha P fives right now. Yeah, uh, they have the uh, bookshelf speaker now. It's like two hundred bucks a pair or something. That looks yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I got, yeah. I got some back there. I need to review. Dwayne Bennett says hi, guys. Hope you're all well. Um. What's up, Dwayne? Confirm cases. Um, yeah. Condolences. All right. Well, I got a lot of support, so thank you guys for all the support. Um, what should we do here? What should we do here? Um, let Did me you have some questions or something you wanted to ask? <laughs> yeah, we have some questions. Um, real quick, I also want to let you guys know that pretty soon we're going to be doing more stuff on the Daily Hi-Fi YouTube channel. So make sure to subscribe to that because eventually we're going to be doing these on the Daily Hi-Fi YouTube channel because right now we're just switching off, right? And so people yeah. are always like, hey, w w what channel is it on? Like, when is this? It's always on Monday, 4 p.m. Pacific. And um, very shortly, we should have this all on this Daily Hi-Fi channel. And what we're doing is we're actually having somebody cut up all the videos into shorter videos. So yep. they're like 10-minute clips with just, you know, a question and then a 10 minute answer. So uh, look at that channel, subscribe if you want. Uh, there's a lot, um, it's, it's all bite sized content. So you can find a answer to one of your questions. Chances yeah. are we've already covered it on a daily hi fi podcast. So they're all being chopped up and they're being released like one per day. So definitely yeah. subscribe up and hit that bell. There's a good <laughs> question over there if you want to pop it up, the regular audio guy about buying used gear. All right, let's see here. Um, 409. I want to know. So, if so the answer, the answer to that, from what I've read um, from CDC guidelines, is that the coronavirus can live on surfaces for up to a couple of days, depending on the type of surface. But they're claiming mail deliveries are fine. So I would say that I, going by their guidelines, I would say you're safe to buy used gear. If you get something used from somebody, maybe just let it sit. Um, you know, in, the box in, in a, a box days. for a day or two, and you should be fine. If you're really that paranoid, just spray some Lysol on it and wipe it down, but you should be all right. 
Yeah. yeah, so for for those who are listening to the audio only version, the question was I want to know if Gene would be cautious of buying on the used market on account of the quarantine stuff. And uh, I think along those lines they're saying that stuff that's more porous is less likely uh for the virus to survive there for a long time. So stuff that's not good, plastic, stainless steel, it can live on there for a while, right? Yeah. But mm-hmm. maybe cardboard, your clothing, of course still be careful, but you don't it doesn't live on there for as long of period of time um let's see here boom, boom, boom. Uh, and if um if you guys want to know um what i did i went to ebay and i paid through the nose almost a little bit um and got this stuff called don't. microband 24 <laughs> it's not on the approved list chana no man, this thing, this thing, uh, it's a dif- disinfectant spray, and it continues to kill germs for another twenty four hours. Maybe it's a new so, one because it has to be on that list, though. I think you should. No, no, <laughs> no. Anything that's got a seventy percent uh, okay. right. um, alcohol situation. Yeah. Trust me, true. man. My mom was doing some weird, like you know, um, like village shit. You know, she's like, "Oh yeah, I take this wipe and I put alcohol on it, and and it's all good." I'm like, "Mom, I, I don't know. I don't know about that." You know. <laughs> She's for you know she's from this small village in Sri Lanka called Candy and like it's up in the mountains and everything and so they always do things like a little bit differently yeah and I'm like I don't know that doesn't sound right <laughs> micro <Microband. laughs> yeah anyway we have this question here how is COVID nineteen affecting movie release Ooh. schedules you like that one huh yeah who wants to you know go what first on that one you know what well, I've, I, I've been reading um, at least two movies are looking to go direct to stream. One of them being the new Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman right. 1984 movie, and the other one, I think, the James Bond movie. If I'm, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, they can't. It. What are they gonna do? They're it's an interesting. Of- it's an interesting business model. It's been tried before, but they said they calculated it would be too expensive for most people to afford. But now mm. that where the industry is kind of brought to its knees, at least for the foreseeable month or two going forward, I wonder how that's going to change. Yeah. So really, they're, they're worried about people just pirating it. Is that what it is? Like if you if they stream it to your I, home, I, I don't think so. I mean, no? it, I mean, as soon as it, it becomes available for stream, it's everywhere. It's every it's on every torrent site a month or two before it's available. So. I mean, I want to know personally, but uh, <laughs> I'll tell you this, that, uh, I mean, if all of the theaters are closed, how are they going to make money? So I think the only way to do it is to release it or streaming right away. Otherwise, nobody's going to see it. But but real quick, though, if somebody, if they release it in the movie theater only, then unless somebody kind of leaks it out, then you're then you have to watch with like one of those cams if you wanted to download it prior for sure right? yeah and people mm-hmm. usually people don't want to do that they're like eh, i'll just wait or i'll go yep. watch the movie if it's you know something that that you really want to see in the best possible quality right but right, i if, mean if they stream it now you're getting a digital copy that somebody could possibly get right yeah so i think maybe that's the issue i mean for me really like let's say if they charge what what are they gonna charge 25 bucks? Charge like 25 bucks i'm gonna pay 25 bucks easy Boom. Yeah, but that, that's the thing. I don't know if twenty five bucks is going to cut it, and they're they're going to lose a lot of money just charging twenty five dollars. Because now you could literally pack a household of people in to watch the oh. movie for twenty five. Well, not bucks. at this time. Yeah, <laughs> but originally when they proposed doing this, I, I thought the licensing fee to do that would be like fifteen hundred bucks. Hmm. Hmm. 
Well, that's good. You can start selling some more speakers to those people, like setting up these <laughs> uh, these theaters. Because I don't know. I mean, twenty five bucks, I'd definitely pay it. Thirty bucks, I'll, I'll pay it. I'll pay thirty bucks. I, I'd rather watch it here. Right. True. Everybody True. would, I think. Yeah. Not everybody has a nice home theater like Eugene. Yeah. <laughs> well, even any moderate good home theater, the comforts of your own home to be able to pause it and get your own food and beverages, I think, is convenient. Well, you know what we used to do is just go to the theater and buy popcorn. Yeah. Can't even do that now. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Right. But anyway, um, I think a lot of uh, a lot of this is going to change. A lot of what's happening now is just going to change a lot of things. And if uh, for instance, I still bought the disc of Jumanji, the next level. And I also Trolls World Tour. Look at Angela. <laughs> My wife um, knows what's up. She's she's on point. That is coming out on a uh, direct. I bought the stream on Voodoo um, because they have it advanced, right? Voodoo always does an advanced thing. So you pay for the $25, you have it, and then they offer it for rent like two to three weeks out. But I still bought the disc because the disc has IMAX enhanced, whereas the stream only has Dolby Atmos. So if I want to see the difference uh, between the two, that's how, you know, I'll still buy it if it has something better. So streaming, physical, whatever, it all works for me. Yeah, I'm going through the chat here. Sean says, what's up, guys? Rot's rule. <laughs> what does he say? So how many babies born in 10 months? Yeah, <laughs> yeah good question. Yeah. Good question. How many divorces as well? <laughs> Definitely not a lot, a lot of, of weddings. <laughs> no, no. All my wedding people are canceling. So, uh, Video on demand releases are just standard HDX, so no 4K or Atmos. What? Mm, yeah. Come on. <laughs> Give me, give give it all. You know what I mean. If you're gonna do it, <laughs> give go. It all. I want to. Give me 4K, please. Yes. You can use the up mixer though. It's still pretty good. Um, let's see here. What else we got? What do you think about that, Ron? Ron. So, Gene, you know, Ron doesn't have a home theater set up yet. You're yeah, a two-channel guy, though, right? I'm a two-channel guy. He's got yeah. that okay. M10 though, Gene, uh, with uh, HDMI arc, and he uses an Apple TV. And I've been telling him like. Get that arc hooked up, and so you can use use one remote for volume, and that'll be good with some with your speaker setup. Dude, my TV. So I I did. I want you to know, Joey. I I tried. Okay, so I went out to the garage. I got my HDMI cable. Uh-huh. I came inside, and my TV is so dang close to the wall that I couldn't I couldn't get the dang HDMI cable plugged in. And uh-huh. I was like, I'm not I'm not gonna try to like take this thing off and do all this stuff. So. You have a 4K TV, right? No. No? No. Well, look. It's at least like a decade old, bro. It's it's an older TV. It might not be ARC then. I don't know. It might might not even have ARC, but... Maybe. I have this uh, wireless thing. So wireless HDMI, zero latency, and Mm. this one's only 1080, but it's pretty good, so you don't have to run a wire. Just pop that in to the side. So remind me again. So what would be cool about that is that if I had the M- M10 plugged into the TV, would it plug into the TV or to the Apple TV? It plug into the TV, right? Well, I guess what we're trying to do, forget what I just said, because actually what we're trying to do is we're trying to get Arc to work so that you can control the volume and you'd have a digital connection, direct connection from the from the TV or whatever, or for Apple TV uh, going to your M10 Without, I think right now you're using Bluetooth or something like that, right? 
Yeah, I'm using Bluetooth. Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be better to have it wired directly. I'm you, with you. You could okay. use a optical cable too. I think, right? Uh, for what? For arc? Optical? Well, no, no, just for audio, just to get the audio from yeah, yeah, from yeah, the yeah, source to the M10 without going through Bluetooth. You know what I mean? That's pretty. Stop talking down about yeah, the Bluetooth. I just, just saying. <laughs> So, Rod, I think uh, you have the M10. That's the NAD, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. I think that has the new Purify Class D amp that Bruno Putzi's designed. I don't know. I, I thought it, I know that it, I think it was Encore mentioned on the NAD site, but oh, I don't okay. know which module or. Their new stuff is going to be um, Purify, which is state of the art if you look at the specs on it. I'm kind of curious how. I can't wait to measure one of those, actually. Yeah. Yeah, Bruno's a genius, and I got to say, I love the M10, and one of the things that I like so much about it is any time that, well, let me put it to you this way, George is now four, and never in the history of New Record Day since she's been alive has she ever said, hey, Daddy, check out, I want to listen to these cool new speakers you just brought in until the M10, because it's just so easy to fire up Bluetooth and and then watch Frozen 2 for the 10,000th time, but she's just like, (laughs) She's like, Daddy, Daddy, put on the big speakers. And I'm like, well, that's how you get people into hi-fi. That's how you do it. You just make yeah. it easy, you know. So she loves it. It's great. Jerome Williams says, I have the Denon 4500, and I'm confused on the channel level matching source level. Do you have set them both at same DB or what? I think what you're referring to is um, how you can set the source level. So if you know, let's say if you have a source that's for some reason louder than the other ones. You can adjust that. Is am I am I right in saying that? Yeah, you have input uh, attenuation on each input. If you need to, mm-hmm. if your cable box is louder than your Blu-ray player, for example, you could accommodate a change in that. I think I don't know if that's what he's talking about. Do you set them both at the same dB? No, you just adjust it to, you know, so they're the same level, right? So they default at zero. They each default at zero. But if you hear a perceivable difference between inputs, then you can make an adjustment. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and don't do it during a commercial though. That's <laughs> yeah, louder. Oh man, those are so loud. Let's hey see. Joey, I did want to, I did want to answer that question though. So oh. while the movie thing doesn't really, it hasn't really affected me. I've been, I'm a big Pearl Jam fan. They're like my favorite Ooh. band, and their new album is out Friday. And I think, I don't know if I have this right, but I think it's one of the first albums that is actually mixed for Dolby Atmos. And one of the local Harkins was doing like a presentation of the entire album mixed in like Dolby Atmos. And I was like chomping at the bit to check that out. And then that was canceled. So I was going to say that has had an effect on me that obviously I can't, I can't do that. And I don't have Dolby, Dolby Atmos out there. So Yeah. Anyhow, that's good to know. There's there's a few uh, people that are are doing Dolby Atmos actual mixes of music. Uh, a lot of electronic stuff though. But Pearl no, Jam, none of it is streaming in Atmos. No. That's that's the big gimmick right now between Tidal, Kobas, and all those streaming services. You're getting a kind of virtualized Atmos mix for headphones, but it's not doing mm. it for home theater stuff. Not the same. At, yeah, at least not now. I don't know any hardware that's doing it now. Yeah. Yeah. See some some people asking about this thing. This is not a Chromecast. This is called a Nireus. Nireus. It's a it's a wireless HDMI uh, transmitter and receiver. So I use this for my projector, so I don't have to run a long cable. Ah, mm. gotcha. 
what else? And some of those long cables don't work, man. I had a 30 foot that I was using for this Vava projector and I was trying to pop it into like, like you told me to go into change it to HDMI 2.0 to get 4k. Uh That thing's not transferring 4k in that 30, 30 foot cable. So I had to buy like three cheaper, like fifteen foot cables just to see. Well, you gotta it get would the, work. You gotta get the the twenty thousand dollar HDMI. That's the way. It, yeah. it's have a battery work. on it. You need a ba- battery. <laughs> battery, and then the cable lifters. Yeah, and, that's uh, that's what it probably what was. Else? If you probably would have done that, it would have worked. <laughs> it would have worked. <laughs> but um, and it's it's only twelve feet from my uh, AVR to the to the projector on the floor, but. I only have six footers anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, long HDMI run will you you might have issues. So I I think I have like a thirty foot HDMI. My old one would would go in and out, right? Oh. If I was streaming like four K sixty or something, it would go in and out. And then so I sw- ended up switching to an optical HDMI, and no problems from here. What do you use, Gene? Um, I use I have a DVI gear. Believe it or not, I have an HDMI cable that's about thirty five feet long. And I put it in this house 15 years ago, and it still passes 4K. But it's it's like a garden hose. It's like 18 gauge. Oh wow! Yeah, so that would be like a Cat One. It would it would be Cat One uh, certification. I also use Blue Jeans. I have really good luck with Blue Jeans. Yeah, I've oh. used Blue Jeans. I like that stuff. Man, we've got a lot of a lot of questions. Blue Sound Power Node 2i <laughs> versus NEDM10. Those are mm. different things, right? Yeah, I think if I'm if I'm correct, I mean, the NADM-10 is really an integrated amplifier at its core, right. and it has the feature set that I think that you're going to find within the Power Node 2i. I think it gives you that same feature set. So I don't think it's the, if I'm correct, it, it's not the same product. Yeah, the Power Node is, uh, like, I have the Node 2i. The Power Node adds, a, like, an amplifier so you can power two channels from it. I, oh. I think those are oh. two okay. separate, like... Those are two, the the NAD M10 and the Blue Sound Power Node 2i are two completely different priced, you know, and mm. specific things. Like got the, you got that touch screen and the gorgeous display on the M10. The Power Node is just like mm. a little white or black box with a little light on it. <laughs> That's it. It's got a streamer. It. It's a streamer does, that powers two channels. But it, okay, so it does have an amplifier in it. Okay, yeah. that's kind of cool. Oh, hey, real quick, yeah. real quick, side 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 note: Did you guys uh, see that they're doing that Rune stuff for the the Sound United products, Denon, Marantz? I don't know if you yeah, saw. Yeah, I saw that press release today. Yeah. yeah, but it's not Rune ready, right? There's a difference. It says uh, Rune, Rune. What does it say? Rune prepared. Rune is something like that. So yeah, hmm. Rune prepared. Rune ready. Rune endpoint. I don't know how many more variations. It has to be. I think it has to be connected with USB. So anyway, yeah. I just okay. wonder if you guys saw that. Um, Mark says, "Hey Gene, any chance of clipping the signal if you boost the channel too high?" Are you talking about Gene's mic again? Oh, am I clipping? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just messing with you. I'm messing. With you. He's asking about. Oh, he's like, "Oh, am I clipping?" <laughs> I love it. I gotta do it, Gene. Oh, How many uh, Mike Gene motes or? Um, he changed yet. the question actually, so you might want to put the new question on. Oh, where's oh, it? Let's see. So I'm, I'll get to it. I'm just kind of going down the line here. David oh, okay. Carlson from, he's one of the moderators over there at, uh, you know, Budget Audiophile. Sorry if I'm, I'm putting you on blast. Uh, you, use of in-ceiling speakers for surround sound heresy or acceptable. They're just trying to egg you on, I think. <laughs> yes. 
I mean, if you it's, if it's the choice between no surround speakers or putting them in the ceiling, I think it's in ceiling is the way to go. And there are speakers like Paradigm has speakers that actually angle the baffle, so it mm-hmm. direct that sound better towards you. So you could still put in ceiling speakers for your surround and still have Atmos in your ceiling as well. And that's in fact what I'll be doing in my family room system when I build this AudioHawk smart home. If the market, if the housing market doesn't collapse in the next three months. No. Mm-hmm. Here's the real question though. In ceiling surround speakers, Gene, or the bouncy Atmos? Which one? Oh, if man. you had to choose between those two, <laughs> oh, that is man. the real question. Gene's gonna blow the blow yeah. a gap here. <laughs> bouncy house speakers are a last resort. All right, that's all. That's all I'll say. This man what is did, recovering. What did you say in your video, Gene? What did you say? It's like playing pool with the uh, sound. You're yeah, saying, if you want sound it, to come, get it over a there. Specific <laughs> location. Put the speaker in that location. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. You're just trying to get my temperature up. I know, I know. Hey, I'm helping fight that virus. He's getting so yeah. pissed right now. That virus is just getting, <laughs> he's just beating that virus. You got, up. Hey, are you working out at home, Gene? Are you you're doing some exercise? Today I did some curls. I have some dumbbells at home. I have a bike and I have the rubber band stuff. So I've been oh. just doing, my wife won't let me do too much. She sees it. She sees if I'm sweating. She's like, slow it down. You don't want to reactivate. Mm. You got to relax. You got to rest a little bit too. Yeah. yeah I'm over here. Back. I wanted to help you set up the new mic, and he's like, "Hold on, I gotta go work out, do some curls." I'm like, "What the? I don't even. I'm not even sick, and I'm not doing any curls." <laughs> You're enjoying yourself. All uh, right. So what is this? Uh, yeah. So always set the source to zero decibels and go from there. If it's too low, bump it up. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's about right. What did you say? When did you say, Gene? Uh, I'm sorry, I was looking at the other oh, question. Um, see. I think he's still referring to that source level. He's saying start at zero dB. Yeah, I don't even know how far the bump up goes. Usually, it's a bump. It's a bump down. I think maybe they only give you three or six dB total uh, to go up. So you'll be okay. You're not going to go and clip anything. I, I think there's enough margin in the volume control IC circuits to to make sure you'll be okay. If you hear clipping, just back it off. I mean, you shouldn't be boosting it if your source is loud already. Let's see here. Should we ask another one of the questions that we have here? Let's see here. Um, I don't want to break the bank on an AVR, but don't want to have regrets either. What AVR would you recommend? I guess there's there's no price point there, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I got this question yesterday or two days ago, and... And that's kind of a tough one because breaking breaking the bank means so many different things to to so many different people. Um, I like the Denon X3600H as far as growing into it. It's on sale right now for eight ninety nine, down from eleven hundred. Um, and I think uh, Onkyo has the eight thirty, which does the same thing. They are both nine channel. They both. Uh, have pre-outs. They both have uh, IMAX enhanced along with the DTSX and Dolby Atmos. And, um, you know, I think it's on personal preference. I know some people like the Onkyo. Some people have issues with the HDMI. Some people like Denon. Some people don't like Odyssey. It's just kind of like a... It's almost a toss-up. So what really? price one, is that? One advan- the one advantage of the Denon, though, is you could uh, do a preamp reassign. So if you want to have... Uh, right. If you want to have... Uh, the front channels go to a surround back channel. You could have dedicated preamp outs going to a two-channel amp, and it's disconnected from the amp circuit. You can't do that on the Accio. Gotcha. And that's that's not. Oh, there you go. Well, so well, that's an advantage. What price point is that, Chana? That's at nine hundred. It's well, at nine hundred now, eight ninety nine. I'll drop a link. So, um, 
So would you say around the $1,000 price range, Gene, yeah. what would you say is like the best bang for your buck, 1000 bucks, AVR? I mean, I, w- I would say that the Denon for the 899 that Shauna was saying, I think that's the best bang for the buck if you plan on expanding, if you plan on using external amplification for your front channels. But, um, you know, Yamaha has got the, um, the 1080, which is a really good receiver. Um, the uh, new Accios are really good. I think they have pretty good amp sections in them. And their HDMI stuff has been worked out because now they're with Pioneer. You know, they've acquired Pioneer, so that's pretty bulletproof. Um, I haven't looked to see if there's any been any new releases in the last month or two, so I don't know all the model numbers off the top of my head. But so the I Denon, have the, the Denon one I really like. I have the Denon X4500. Is there any point where when you spend a certain amount, it really jumps up to like another category? In the let's just say in the Denon lineup, even. Yeah, you definitely. I, the problem with the receivers that are a thousand dollars and less is they put a lot of nanny circuits in them. Mm. So because they don't have enough heatsink area, they if you start hitting forum loads on them, they're going to start, you know, doing their protection circuits. They're going to turn their fans on. So there's some advantages to spending more if you're not going to use external amplification. The better models do tend to give you, you know, more heatsink area, so you get more power capability, bigger power supply, kind of stuff. 4500 is probably a better built receiver than the 3600 because they had more budget to make that receiver. I, you know, I've been meaning to ask you also, we all know that the Moran stuff is very similar to, uh, you know, a particular Denon model a lot of times, right? Um, except for that HDAM uh, circuitry. What is your What are your thoughts on that? Usually what you wind up doing for the same money you buy for Morantz versus a Denon is you get the lower end Denon in the Morantz, but you get the better analog circuitry in it. So... Uh, I don't know. I have kind of contentions about that until you get to like an SR8012, which is really a unique product because they put a bigger power supply, bigger right. heat sinks. That's a monster and, of an AVR. Yeah, too. I love that. But it, it, it runs hot. I'm going to warn you guys, if you're getting an 8012, which they just discontinued, so the 8015 will be coming out soon. But the 8012 is a beast and it's a good sounding receiver. It's got really good power. The Marantz gives you that guarantee that it'll give you 70%, 70% of the power with up to seven channels driven, which is a really good um, spec. Most of the Japanese receivers in that price range can't say guarantee that, especially the lower end Yamahas. Um, but pa- dollar for dollar, Denon gives you a better deal. Would so? Would you say that that is audible though? That that change in circuitry, HDM chip. Because I've had I, both, I, and I honestly, I'm not sure if I can hear a difference. I don't know. Okay, I've had HDAM in their uh, PM11S3 and the PM11S4, which is their like $5,000 um, integrated amp, which is their best current product. Well, now they have the P10. But um, I measured the HDAM from those two generations, and the actual older one measured better than the newer one. And I showed this to them. I'm like, what's going on here? And they just... They just gave me like a roundabout answer. So, um, basically, they said, "Yeah, yeah, I don't know." So, so you can measure it with a forty thousand dollar analyzer, but can you hear it? That's another question. I know there's people out there that love the Morant sound, and and some of that is because they remember the nostalgia of Morants from the seventies and eighties because they made some of the best two channel receivers on the market. In fact, you can go out now and buy a 70s vintage Marantz receiver on eBay and spend $1,500 on it when it only sold for $500 in 1970. 
So mm-hmm. that that's testament to the brand, to the you know the brand recognition. Uh, whether or not it's audible, I'm going to say it's maybe under really controlled listening conditions. If you have a good room, good speakers, and really good hearing, you're in your 20s, possibly. But I'm going to say probably not in most cases. Because I, I always see in the forums, they're like, well, if you like, you know, to, if you like music, if you want to listen to music, go with the Morans. If you're going to just be using it for home theater, go with the Den. I see that often, and I'm like... Mm. The Denon and Marantz receivers sound more similar than they do different compared to different brands because they're sharing many of the same components. Right, same components, yeah. Yeah. I knew you'd have a good answer for me. I hope it's the right answer. I mean, that's just kind of logical. But Well, who else can say, well, I measured them, and this is what, I mean. Yeah, yeah not too many. I people. measure stuff, and it doesn't become audible. I measured that Yamaha preamp, the 5200, and it had some problems that I found on the two-channel uh, outputs, on the XLR outputs. But it still sounds phenomenal. So I can't. I could show you the measurements. This is why you have to be careful when you're looking at somebody that does reviews. If they have those measurements and they have the test gear, the measurements look great to have. But if they draw the wrong conclusions from the measurements, it could be damaging to the product. Mm. Mm. Which you know, that's a that's a good way to segue into this question here. What should someone look for in a trustworthy audio reviewer? Subjective, objective. I'm you know. Objective measurements, subjective opinions, what should someone look for? The problem with the so-called objective measurements is a lot of there's a lot of people out there that will just stick a microphone in a room, measure a speaker, and they think this is the actual response of the speaker. So it depends on how careful people are with their measurements. That's why when we do measurements of speakers, we take them outside and we do listening window response. We, we give you the directivity index. We do what Harmon does when they evaluate speakers. And it takes more time to do that and it costs more resources to do it but you want to have an apples to apples comparison so i think measurements are good to a point and i think subjective um, opinions are good to a point someone that has a lot of experience a lot of diversity of products under their belt um, i think it's kind of a balance between the two i wouldn't go all the way to the science side where all people do is do measurements and they they tell you if a product is good just based on measurements and then I wouldn't go all the way to the subjective side where people think it has chocolatey mid-range and it's flowery and they use lots of adjectives. to. I've never heard that before in my yeah, life. My wife heard it from the bedroom you know, or from the kitchen. You know, So I think that you have to strike a balance. You know, you know what I said once? I said that this one subwoofer um, against another subwoofer, they shook the wine glasses hanging in my kitchen the same amount. So I... I that's your test. You know, I mean, like, I, how am I gonna hear something that's hitting five hertz? I don't know. I don't know. You know, for so April, April's coming up. Maybe what you should do for for April Fools is just come out with a review that's just purely, you know, chocolatey, you know, <laughs> light glistening off the rooftop type of. Well, you know what I did last April Fools is I, I basically said that there was a difference in sound quality and cables. Oh yeah, I remember. <laughs> and people were bashing the video. And they only you could tell they only watched the first three minutes of the video. They didn't watch the full <laughs> twenty minute video. And I loved the comments. I mean, I should have done a video just on the comments. I I, I didn't watch that video. It popped up on my feed. I'm like, wait a minute, what is he talking about? I just <laughs> dismissed it altogether. And then like I finally watched it and. Um, and I was just like, oh, duh, April Fool's. Yeah, yeah. I'll figure out something for April Fool's for sure. Ron, Ron, what should somebody look for in a tr- trustworthy audio reviewer? Like, what would you look for? Man, you know, I keep thinking about this question. I mean, I 
heaven knows I've made mistakes over the six years of doing this. And when I, when I started, um, I kind of fell into the trap of scripting everything, including my impressions. And it's, it's difficult. It, at least it was difficult for me not to move in the direction of flowery words, you know, uh, especially when you're like, it's like you get lost in the art of the script, you know, you're now right. just writing something that sounds pretty. Um, and that's great and all, but one of the reasons why I don't do that with impressions anymore is that I think that I think that I was moving in the wrong direction. I think that when you just speak right into the camera, especially like after you've just, you know, finished your last session or whatever, um, I think it's it's harder to move into that into that direction. And so you just say how you feel. And that works better for me now, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong but that just works better for me and my channel um when it comes to measurements you know i think that andrew jones uh said it best was i have no problems with measurements i have problems with the people or with the way that people talk about measurements <laughs> and uh i tend to i tend to agree because in my own experience and i've learned a lot about measurements um even gated responses and trying to do it as, as well as i can I've tried outside, you know, in the field behind us and indoor using, you know, proper gear. And um, the hard part for me is interpreting what it is that you see. And um, like as an example, I'll be doing um, actually after we're done with this, I'm going to be walking through a breakdown of the SVS Ultra and I have my own measurements. And one thing that I noticed with that speaker when it came to taking a look at the waterfall is if I moved the microphone a little bit, and I mean, we're talking like a smidge, I noticed that there was what appeared to be stored energy popping out just based on the slightest little tug. And so you start thinking like, man, is this now an environment issue? Is this like the room? Something is going on that I can't quite wrap my head around. So without getting long-winded, I think that it all comes down to, you know, Take what they have to say, you know, with their opinion with a grain of salt, and then take a look at how they talk about measurements and the way that I'm choosing to talk about measurements is a big disclaimer. I'm not a I'm not an engineer and I I'm doing the best that I can. I'm giving you what I got, but don't think that this is now something that you can rely on as something that would be done in an anechoic chamber. And I for me, that's the best that I can do with my channel. That's my answer. So, China D. Um, you know what's funny is I was only watching YouTube to hear what the newest keyboard would sound like. That was pretty much it. <laughs> that was pretty much it. So I didn't really find. I didn't really go onto YouTube to look for speakers or headphones or anything. It was more like, oh, Dave Smith Instruments put out a new Prophet Eight or Prophet Five. What does it sound like? That's that's pretty much all I used YouTube for. I uh, didn't start actually um, looking for reviews on audio stuff because uh, I, you know, for me, it's just back in the day going to all these stores with my dad. Um, you know, that only sold Macintosh. I didn't know what the heck that was. And B&O. And that's pretty much it. And then when I went to speaker stores, I would listen to, and he would tell me what he's listening for and this, that, and the other. And he's like, he's like, did you hear that? I was like, oh, kind of, yeah. And then that's kind of 
and then going into every store, would I really talk to the salespeople? No, because they probably didn't know um, what they were talking about about 60% of the time. So I would think that um, a lot of a lot of tech, after watching YouTube and watching reviewers, a lot of tech reviewers review things like speakers, and they have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> like I'm like, really? This soundbar sounds awesome. Really? You know, because Boston Acoustic came out with this, came out with sound bars in '97, where you'd have to have like a full-on rectangular room so it can bounce the sound around. And you're telling me that does that in your big ass living room that's got nothing on the sides i'm like i don't i guess it just really depends so why should we um, why should we trust techno dad i don't i i I don't. I, I I don't trust myself sometimes <laughs> yeah. like, um i i mean i don't know i i i call i ron asked me this and i told ron this long time ago i feel like i'm the accidental audiophile my dad was into banging all of a sudden i grew up playing <laughs> Metallica, my Metallica tapes on his Nakamichi Dragon with going into his banging olives and sister. I didn't know what any of that was. I just knew it sounded great. And when I went to other people's houses and I heard their, their stereo, I was like, why does this not sound so great? And that's when I was, you know, asked my dad and he's like, and then he took me around shopping to these hole in the wall places like, you know, <laughs> hole in the wall places like back in the 80s. And he was trying to, you know, tell me the difference. And then, you know, I started playing piano at the age of nine. And so you actually play, you know, music, you, you can make yeah. music, you can, so that you're coming at it from a different angle, I guess. Yeah. I produce music. And when I'm producing a track that has one song that has 20 to 25 tracks, which are different layers of each song, you know, e each of those has an EQ range and I go in and shape the EQ for each of those. So they sit properly and we have a good balance. You're just trying nice to show off now. Stereo spread. That's uh, just. That's that's all Tune I do. To Chana when he does his DJ thing, then you'll see what he's really about. You got yeah, crazy yeah. over there last time. Oh man, it was so much fun mixing all kinds of stuff. I was taking requests. Here's the beautiful part: title. I, I updated my DJ software, and I can stream everything from title into the DJ thing, and I can manipulate it, slow it down, change the key, that's do everything cool. I could. Like normally, if the thing was inside that's my crazy. DJ system, but yeah, so I was taking requests. I was like, hey, "You guys, you're going Saturday." Saturday? Give me, yeah, yeah, we'll do okay. it again on Saturday. Sounds I don't know, two, two or Dave, three in the afternoon. David Carlson, Who, who's you are, Amir? This, he's starting trouble is what David Carlson's doing. <laughs> That's what he's trying to do. I'll I'll take the bait. Let's go. So uh, Amir is, uh, he runs. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to hear Jane and I want to hear from you on that question. I'm curious. Because this is related to this question, I believe, because it came in around the same time. So we'll, we'll get to him here in a second, but I'm curious what you guys have to say. Yeah, so I think so here. So <laughs> Amir, he he runs audio science review. He does a lot of measurements on he started doing amps and then recently he started doing speakers, I think. Um, so here's the thing. So to answer this question, I didn't get a chance to answer this. What should someone look for in a trustworthy audio reviewer? I would say look at some of their past reviews. Are Is everything great? If everything's great, then then how do you know you know mm. you have not everything's gonna be perfect right so if somebody's yeah. not willing to say that you know the flaws of a speaker amplifier whatever they're reviewing eh, maybe you might not want to listen to them when it comes to buying something maybe just for entertainment but if you're trying to make a decision you want to hear the pros and the cons right you want to have sure. be able to judge for yourself um the other thing is like for me i just kind of don't care you know i 
you know, this is what I do for a living, but integrity first, right? I figure if some, if I lose my audience, if they don't trust me, then I don't have anything. You know, I'm just talking to nobody. So I can make the best videos in the world, but if I don't have an audience, somebody who, tr people who trust what I have to say, then it's, it's useless, right? So, um, in saying that, let's talk about Amir. So, all right. So here's the deal. I reviewed the RB42s and I liked them. 150 bucks, 129 bucks at the time. And I thought they were awesome. What brand is that? The Mica RB42s. Okay. Crazy, right? 100, 150 bucks right now um, for a pair of speakers. They sounded great. I've demoed them. You know, they're awesome. You know, that was my opinion. That was, I measured them. And um, David Carlson went and posted a measurement that I, that I did on, um, on Audio Science Review. Where he, I, I think Amir didn't really like the way they sounded, right? And so the thing is, I think my my measurement was very similar to his. It's just the conclusion was different, right? And so I think what I look for in a reviewer is, you know, of course, I, I would want somebody who does measurements. That's why I listen to Gene, because he does measurements, right? So that's important to me. That's one data point. I also listen to people who are good at explaining it just because I want to see how they explain it, you know? And sometimes they just point to the same thing, both the measurement and what they're saying is pointing to the same thing. Um, I think it's very important though. And this is what I do in my reviews is I try to make it clear. What is something that I've measured, right? Versus what is my opinion? You have to be very clear about what's what, right? You can't say, so here's the graph. What this means is that these speakers suck. No, you can't say that. You know what I mean? What it means, you just say, here's the graph. This is what's happening here. In my opinion, the speakers suck. You know what I mean? You can say it like that. But you have to be uh, very clear. And and in response to what Gene said about, you know, doing the measurements properly, I when I do my measurements, uh, you know, for my channel, it's not meant to sell that speaker, right? I'm just showing you what I'm hearing. Right. Yeah. With all the issues in my rooms, like, hey, look at this is what's happening in my room. And here are all the problems. You can see it in the graph. And that's what I hear. I'm, I'm judging based on this. So I'm trying to give you a clear well, be perspective careful with that, because what yeah. you measure in your room, you're not actually hearing what that microphone is showing you at base frequencies. That's true. But above that, this your brain is way more sophisticated. Your ears are way more sophisticated. Nah, you're wrong, one, Gene. One frequency response. You're a smart guy. <laughs> I don't disagree with Gene, but um, I do uh, I do measure in a lot of different places, and I use uh, a spatial average. I do something called a moving mic measurement, something that I learned from um, from uh, Charles Sprinkle over there at Cali Audio, formerly JBL, and it's a method that he used to use that you use for theaters where you have to try to get a good sound uh, for a lot of different seats. So I think I get a good idea. I can get a better picture of what is happening. Maybe it's not perfect because like you're saying, my ears and a microphone, they react differently, right? Um, the brain especially, yeah. Yeah, the brain is different. But I think it's better than no data point is, is what I'm saying. So take it. I always say take my measurements with a grain of salt. It's just a, you know, just something to look at. At least I try to be consistent from one review to the other. But I'm not... I'm not here trying to say like this is exactly what the speakers do. Um, absolutely, right? That's that's what I'm saying. 
One anyway. thing I think is important is I use the principle of Occam's razor. Mm. The simplest, the simplest explanation is usually the right one. Is it when you look at Amir's reviews and he says a $10 dongle measures better than a $5,000 processor, you have to question whether, you know, is he jumping to false conclusions? Is he doing the right measurements? Is he, is he mm. taking into account the big picture? This mm. product does a lot of different things. It's not just one device meant for one thing. And from what I've seen on his reviews, it's like he just, it almost like he goes out of his way to bash a product and mm. you don't get any subjective listening impressions from him. It's just all the measurement looks bad, so it's got to be a bad product. But that mm. said, I know the guy is very intelligent. I think he was like really high up at Microsoft. He's got the best test gear. He's got, you know, a state-of-the-art audio precision like I do. He's got actually the two-channel version, which has got about about 15 dB more um, uh, lower noise floor than my unit. And he's got Kipple now to do speaker yeah. measurements. Yeah. So I commend him for having the ability to, to, to get this equipment and to actually go and have people send him all these products to measure it. But I think his results... Um, I think he's too absolute in his results, and I think um, you you have to be careful because you could lead to false conclusions. Like for example, when I measured that Yamaha piece and I saw those problems with the measurements, I could have said this is a piece of shit. Uh-huh. Don't buy this product. It sound you know, it's terrible. Yet I go and hooked it into my rack, and and the the processor sounds amazing. And I had the older version that measured better. And I actually like the 5200 better than the 5100 because of certain things that it does that the 5100 didn't do. So I didn't use my measurements to declare the product as good or bad. I use it as a guideline to show that there's potential problems, but our ears are not as sensitive as my test gear. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I want to make sure that we don't come off as like bashing because I do like the direction he's going. Anytime somebody's putting out the effort to measure stuff, I think that's a step in the right direction. I would just say, if I'm talking to you, Amir, I would say, make sure it's clear to people what is a measurement, what is objective versus what is just your opinion, because that's fine. You know what I mean? I want to hear people's opinions, but I think people need to know what is what, because I think, you know, for me, I'm, I'm always looking at measurements. Sometimes I'll go to the, the measurements. I'm like, I'm, I'm confused, right? So if I'm confused, I can imagine other people would also be confused and so they're relying on you to to translate what is happening. And so if you mix in your opinion there, I think people might confuse your opinion for, you know, for objective uh, measurements. Sure. That's all. That's all. Anyway, uh, make sure to check him out. Uh, what is it? AudioScienceReview.com? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's doing a good job. You know, um, a quick little tangent on this measurement situation. I did the video for the Node 2i by Blue Sound, mm-hmm. and somebody commented and saying the DAC in there, even though it can do the first fold or unfold or whatever you call it for um, title MQA files, the DAC doesn't measure that well. And then he linked to this article, and so I actually sent it to Blue Sound uh, folks, and they were like, "Yes, we we are aware of this," and they didn't measure pro like in the right way, I guess is what they were saying. And they were also um, came back. Their engineer um, sent a response for her to send to me. And it was basically that they could have, the DAC could have been, I guess, better or measured better. However, they have restrictions 
that are placed on them from companies like DTS and 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 Dolby to have their DAC perform in a certain way so that they can get licensing for these companies in their machine. So it's more, you know, not just there's more to it than just the measurements mm-hmm. that that a lot of people don't know. And they're like, oh, this is crap. And that in that article, I would not recommend this because the DAC is just shit. And it's not necessarily that that situation. It's that they have to conform to these standards uh, for licensing issues. Yeah. I, th- I think a lot of it is perspective also, right? So if something is 150 bucks for a pair, you know, it's not going to outperform some LS fifties. It shouldn't, it shouldn't even be close. Right. But if you're talking about somebody who only has 200 bucks to spend, they're awesome. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So perspective, I think that's also important. We've got a question. Jeremy Strong, uh, looking at getting into real home audio clips, RP600Ms seem to be really good for the money. I worry about sounding too crisp for my sensitive ears. Is that something that can just be EQ'd? I just recently reviewed these, and I would say it's always better to cut than to boost. So if the highs are there, yeah, you can turn them down. But um, I would tone say... Tone controls. Tone controls, yes. You're not against those, Gene? Tone controls are fine because it's a shelving filter as opposed to trying to do auto EQ at high frequencies when the microphone itself isn't very accurate above 10 kilohertz and the way we hear is much differently than what that microphone is showing you. Definitely tone controls for high frequency correction or tapering down if it's too bright. What do you what do you think about spatial averages when it comes to measurements, when it comes to, you know, uh, measurement in your listening position? Have you tried those like using REW? Yes. Um, not to promote my own channel, but we had over an hour discussion last night on promote that. it. Uh, promote away. It's, <laughs> go to Audiolog's YouTube channel. We have a two-part series on room EQ and and how it affects the speaker sound. Spatial averaging is fine for below the room transition frequency, but above the room transition frequency, things are a lot more complicated, and you have to kind of watch what Matthew was talking about in that video in those two videos. Uh, so when you were doing that, are you talking about like Odyssey, where it does multiple? Uh, measurements or you know some of these other ones yeah. because the way I'm talking about is a moving mic method where you're running pink noise but you're still not accounting for how the speaker integrates into the room with the reflections it's it's a lot more complicated than just taking a speaker measurement in a room and saying this is what it's doing if you just take an average over a certain area we're looking just, at power response right you can't do that in a room though you can't, you, it's very hard to take the room out. That's why you really have to take the speaker outside and get the anechoic data from that speaker. If you had that anechoic data and fed it into your processor and then did room EQ mm. and did an inverse transfer function of that, it's possible, but nobody's doing that yet. D-Rack's not doing that. Trinov's not doing that. Odyssey's definitely not doing that. Well, well I don't care what the speakers do. I'm saying, let's say if you're you trying to care co- what the, you do care what the speakers doing. You have to know what the speakers doing before you do full frequency room correction, or it's a crapshoot. It really is. Okay, so that that leads into this next question. But so here's the thing: if if I'm trying to correct for my listening position, right? Mm-hmm. You're saying what are you saying specifically that I have to? You're saying something about inverse, and I was like, okay, bye-bye. Nobody's doing this, so I'm saying right now you should be doing correction for bass, and you should have, in order for bass correction to be effective, you need to have multi-sub. You can't do it with just a single sub because you're only going to correct for one spot. EQ does not change the seat-to-seat variance. The only way you're going to lower the seat-to-seat variance so that every seat is a good seat is to have multi-sub properly placed, properly uh, time-aligned, and properly level-matched. 
then you could go and take EQ and you could take away all of those standing wave problems that you measure below 80 hertz. All right, so so what is the problem if I do it this way? Um, so again, I'm running a room EQ wizard, I'm running pink noise, and then I'm using the RTA. So I'm not using the measurement, the sweep, you know, the way you'd normally measure. I'm using the RTA and I'm having it take an average over a period of time. And I'm actually moving the mic in the meantime. Of course, you're not, you're trying to make, sure you're not uh, getting any handling noise but you're physically moving the mic in a circle and trying to you know where your head would kind of be right mm -hmm. so a spatial average that way have you tried that way and what is wrong what what am i missing you're talking about full range or just bass full range yeah like i said you can't do that because <clears throat> the microphone cannot distinguish what the room is doing versus what the speaker problems have if there's resonances in the speaker or if it's caused by room anomalies, it's just too complex for that to be effective. You could try it. If you like the sound of it, it could be better if you like the sound. But it's if you look at what we did in that um, in those two videos, mm. you can get that on axis frequency response better mm. with room EQ, but it messes up the entire response of the speaker. And you could see before and after EQ and it could cause more problems at the crossover frequency. It could cause... Uh, of the speakers it could cause more amplitude of resonances in the speaker generally it just it doesn't improve things measure measurement wise it doesn't improve things so you you fix one aspect of it and make the others way worse yeah some cases yeah and this is all Harmon's done this research before we have it's like just nobody's really done a good job documenting it to the public mm. but those two videos we did yesterday really go deep into that and i think you should definitely um take a look at that and it'll answer your questions i think i think that's right because uh someone asked me hey you know what i have the rp 600 m's right and i also have the ub5s and i'm running odyssey and the ub5 sound harsher to me after the room correction right and so I was thinking about it. I'm like, why would that be the case? Because I know that the UB5s are way more laid, laid back uh, on the top end, right? So why would they sound more fatiguing than the RP600Ms, which are brighter? And so I thought about it. I'm like, I think what's happening is Odyssey is trying to bump up the highs on that UB5. And it's trying to do stuff that it's not designed to do. So it's so kind of think like, about that. Think yeah. about that. If it's boosting the highs on those UB5s, which is a concentric speaker, right? Mm -hmm. um, concentric drivers tend to have dynamic limitations. So if you start boosting 6, 10 dB at high frequencies because Odyssey thinks it needs that boost, you could be driving that tweeter now into distortion where right. it shouldn't be driven like that. The, the, uh, RB5, or sorry, UB5, what is it? UB5s, the ELAC UB5s. UB, okay, so those are less sensitive than the clips, so you need more power to drive them. So now you're yeah. cranking the volume up, you're mm -hmm. EQing the high frequencies. Right. You're causing dynamic compression that you shouldn't have had just by doing that EQ. I, I hear you. So my, my answer to him was try them both in pure direct and see if it's still the case. Yeah, so your question here is different. Your question here says... Do you guys think room correction software is good enough to replace acoustic treatment? The answer is a definitive no. So if you start with a bad room and you try to EQ, you're going to get bad results. If you start with a good room that has better passive treatment, so the room is not so echoey, you have a reasonable control of your RT60 time, you have a special modal control in your room, you might get better results with the EQ. It's the same thing when you say 
hey, I could take a bad speaker or a mediocre speaker, make it a good speaker with EQ. That's also not true. If you start with a bad speaker, the EQ results are going to be worse than if you started with a good speaker and then EQ that. Mm. So it's like a junk in, junk out. And basically. a good speaker should need right. EQ above bass frequencies. If you get a really good speaker, if you look at the, at the video again that we did, if you look at the Genlex that we, that we show the measurements for, you look at like a JBL M2, which has an incredibly flat on axis and a very evenly uh, tapered off, off axis response, that doesn't need EQ. So if you go and run auto EQ on a system like that, it'll either make no difference in sound or it'll make it sound worse. Full range I'm talking about. Very interesting. Ron, I know you want to get on, in on this. I yeah, no, I mean, this was my question. Um, you know, I just, rele I just released the NADM10 review. Um, and in that review, I talk about Dirac. And what I what I've discovered with Dirac, uh, at least in my room, in my experience, so I'm giving my opinion, is that if I set up a curtain and I'm only um, correcting lower frequencies, let's say you know zero up to 80 hertz as an example, then that seems to sound better than just letting Dirac run the full gamut. Um, if I let it run the full gamut, I'm, uh, you know, so I'm giving my opinion. I don't think that I'm hearing the same clarity as if I back it off and only have it correct, you know, for the lower frequencies. Now, one disclaimer here is I have acoustic treatment. Uh, so I've spent money on side panels and panels up above me and things like that. And I know that's helping and I don't have a whole lot of issues in my room. Um, but nevertheless, uh, I, so I would say, no, I don't think that it is at a point where it can defeat just, acoustic treatment I, I don't think that it can i don't think it's there yet that's my opinion. no and, and you found correcting below you said 500 hertz right uh actually in my room gene i i do 80 so zero up to 80 hertz is is yeah. what i'm correcting because i have i have um a a couple knolls like right around 60 so it seems to kind of even things out a little bit and i have two subs yeah and there's some some of the room correction systems like anthem arc defaults to a five kilohertz bandwidth and you yeah. can go down from there. And I've messed a lot with ARC. And in my room, I found it worked best up to about two or 300 hertz. Uh, or yeah. actually, maybe 500 hertz. But when I went to 5 kilohertz, I just didn't like the sound. It just it seemed like it tried to make things too focused to the center where it just sounded unnatural. And I lost kind of the width of the sound stage, at least from what I was hearing. What you just described is exactly what I noticed when I let Dirac run the full gamut, is I seem like I ended up with a more focused center image, and I lost out on a bit of the soundstage. That's exactly what I was hearing. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you're messing with the speaker's uh, power response that you can't account for because you're doing yeah. all this stuff in a room. Yeah. You don't have enough data on the speaker. Here's so, a question for you, though. What, before we move on, I want to ask this because I'm thinking about it. Gene, would you say that in a room that is awful, really, really bad, um, and they don't have the option of doing acoustic treatment, but they do have the option of doing some kind of um, software treatment. Are they better off doing that or should they? You know, I'm, I was trying to think about that when I did the NADM M10 review is like, well, what if you don't have any options of acoustic treatment, whether it's, you know, your better half is like, no, you're not putting panels on my wall EQ, or. No, EQ is not the magic. It, it, EQ is not the hero you, you need. Yeah. Uh, what you need in that situation is you need to find a clever way to tame that room with natural stuff. Whether there you it's go. Couches, diffuse. Stuff. You need yeah. to add mass to the room. Like, there you for go. example, I, I sold my theater chairs because I'm getting ready to do a move. And 
as soon as when I did that, and I have acoustically treated room, as soon as when I got rid of those theater chairs, I'm like, oh my God, the sound is terrible now. Those Dang, chairs yeah. were acting like bass traps in around between about, I'd say, 80 to 150 hertz. And now the bass is not as tight in the upper bass. So I had to go and I had to put some stuff behind the chairs I have there now to kind of compensate for it. But there was a definite difference in sound just by changing things in the room, but reducing the mass of the room made an effect. So I'm going to take Ron's question. And I'm going to change it up a little bit. And I'm going to say, what is the point where that uh, room EQ, wh what's the point where it does make a difference? Like if your room is, you know, the last 5%, is that okay? Like what, what would you say? When is room it useful? EQ, room EQ always makes a difference, whether or not, the question is whether or not the difference is beneficial. Yeah, and that's what answer, I mean though. Yeah. The answer is it's more beneficial if you don't do full correction and it's more beneficial if you start with good speakers and it's more beneficial if you limit the correction to the bass frequencies or maybe a little bit, maybe to five kilohertz. Because like I said, you're pointing that microphone straight up at the ceiling and at 10 kilohertz, even with a compensation filter, which most of them don't have, there's, it's still not very accurate. So this, yeah. uh, it, it tends to over EQ at very high <laughs> frequencies. And like you found out with that ELAC situation, it made the sound worse. Mm. So, okay. All right. I'm just trying to, trying to take it in. I know people in. don't yeah. want to hear that. I know people want to think, you know, room correction is the Super answer boring. to everything. Yeah, right. Magic. Room correction to me is a, is, is a potential pandemic for bad sound. Well, it's a nice <laughs> choice in words, Gene. <laughs> I speak from personal experience. <laughs> oh, man. Hashtag stay home. Shall yeah. we shall we open this up to the live chat and the what? and the phone? Uh, Gene, yeah, you haven't taken a phone call. Why don't, who wants to call and harass Gene since he's he's recovering? Work? Gotta get him all fired up. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Michael you know, asked. Michael asked. I had bass problems at seventy hertz. Did it fix it? Michael, yes. And if you watch that review, I actually show the before and after with at least the SVS ultras of what it did with evening out the bass. So you can watch that and check it out. Hey, Gene, are you having fun with us? Oh yes! All right, <laughs> I'm getting hungry though. I have to admit, it's been over an hour now. So uh, yeah. <laughs> well, whoever wants to make the last call, and uh, we'll we'll call it a night. There's the number on the screen. Is it? Are the lines open? Uh, it should be. Let's see here. I'm shocked. Call, say hi, ask a question. At least somebody prank phone call them. Yeah, I don't care. Whatever it is. This is Saul, Saul Rosenberg. So someone says, Gene, I have a Yamaha, and how does it ensure I remove the wipeout results? Um, the way to, to undo the wipeout results is to just go to manual or bypass. The one thing I like about the Yamaha receivers is the manual PEQ, which is excellent if you have REW and you have a mic, like Joe Intel does all the time. Um, you can do a lot of good with your bass with manual PEQ. Better than Wipeout, because Wipeout sucks at doing bass correction. And that's it's, how you know he's an honest reviewer. Yeah, it I, sucks. I, I, I love Yamaha, but Wipeout is like it they haven't evolved it in twenty years. Come on, guys. I didn't I didn't I had the A twenty eighty and I didn't like the uh the Wipeout. Yeah, it's don't use it, but they're manual they finally put manual PEQ and I got them to do it down below twenty hertz where you have you know, you need correction below, you know, in the 20 hertz range because that's where your base modal problems are. They finally have it down to 15 hertz, and I'm so happy about that. Did, mm. Gene, did you see that that little device, that little DSP device from uh, from Parts Express? 
It's just for the oh. for the sub. It's like like super cheap. It's like fifty bucks, and it's DSP just for the subs. So you, you oh, have your PEQ. Like- I think it's like fifty bucks, and it's just an inline thing that you can you can throw in there if you're so it's subs. Like a mini D- it's like a mini DSP kind of. Yeah, yeah. Just so is there software? Is it software? Is it how does how do you control it? I think they have some <laughs> some sort of phone app. I haven't really yeah. looked at it, but it's no, I haven't seen that. it's so inexpensive. I'm like, eh, that's kind of cool. Kind of clever. Yeah, I'm, I'm all so into the only, budget stuff. The only thing I would be worried about that is just make sure it'll pass at least two volts RMS without clipping. Otherwise, you're going to potentially add distortion to your subs. Right, right. Well, I think have to look at it. I think we're good. I want to make sure that Gene gets his food. He needs time to recover. Gene, hey, thanks, thanks for being on. Yeah. It was a thanks it was for a having me. Yeah, yeah, and really a pleasure. Likewise, guys, I mean, should do this again sometime. Dropping knowledge sure. and uh, and. I just want you guys to know, look, we all get along. Sometimes we, we disagree. Gene gets into the comments and tells me all the stuff that I'm doing wrong. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, all right. You know what I mean? Um, but hey, I defer I've, to Gene. Gene's awesome. Been doing this for a, a long time. And I'm an elder now, right? An elder. <laughs> I've been Respect a, your elders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I started off as a fan, so it's a pleasure for me to be talking with you and have you on here. Um, yeah, that's it. You guys have anything else you want to add? I, I only have one quick thing that I just want to throw out there. So I gave my I gave my Elac B six point twos to a, a close friend of mine, his first hi fi setup, and he bought my recommendation. So I, that's why I'm asking. I I recommended the Yamaha RN three hundred three. He only had like three hundred bucks to spend, and so he bought this thing from Amazon. And I guess that one of the channels only when streaming does not work. And he asked me like about it. I'm like, well, clearly it's defective. Send it back. Get a different one. But you guys are going to laugh. Check out this response. It's really funny. They said, let me just pull this up. It says, this receiver can't be used with six ohm speakers. I can't make this up. This receiver can't be used with six ohm speakers. Lowest it supports is eight ohms. It may have damaged the channels. I have never seen a receiver that would work with ELAC speakers before. This is a very unusual issue, but we'll go ahead and exchange it either way. <laughs> Who said that? The people that sold it to him? Yes. <laughs> I messaged Andrew and I was wow. like, damn you, you didn't make the ELACs for Yamaha receivers, you jerk. He was laughing. He was like, what? Oh man, that's that's not it. That's not the right reason. But okay, as long as they're giving his money back, it's probably yeah, it's probably back for sure. Yeah. Well, thanks Pleasure again, guys. Me. All right, guys. No problem. Thanks for having it. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, for having thanks for having me. All right, do the outro, uh, Chana. You always do the best ones. What it? Outro. All right, guys, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us here at the Daily Hi-Fi Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to all of our channels so you do not miss out on the next live stream. That's right, guys. Stay at home, stay safe, and uh, see you next week. Peace. Keep listening. Ah, I got it in there.